Next on Abounding Grace, learn all about the spiritual power tools given by God to help you in your spiritual gifting. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace, and glad you could join us today. Pastor Ed Taylor is going through a series on the Holy Spirit. Beginning today, we'll be uncovering what the Bible has to say about the manifestations of the Spirit. These are helps that come alongside your spiritual gifting. First up is the Word of Wisdom. Here to tell us about it is Pastor Ed. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, there are no lone rangers in the church. And just saying that, might well up in you this, well, that's just a cliche, Ed. I've heard that before. I understand it. And if we're not careful, we'll just think it is another Christian cliche that really has no bearing to us because none of us really want to be Lone Rangers. But it's true. There really isn't room for us to be that Lone Ranger in life. You look at it, you go, well, I'm not. I'm here, I am in church. I'm wanting to connect with others. I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of the extension of the body of Christ. I'm a part of a small group. But sometimes it's easy to see the church that's fractured and tattered because although people know it and don't want to be Lone Rangers, they know it, but they don't live it. They don't actively seek to connect. They don't persevere. They don't keep trying. They don't keep moving. At the first hint of resistance, there is an attitude of, I've tried that before, and and this is the same thing I've always met, and there's not a connection made because there's some resistance. Things can quickly progress into a self-centered view in your relationship with the Lord. Putting you and I, it's easy for us to put ourselves on center stage. How do we know that? We know that because that's what happened in the church in Corinth. That's what happened. That's why so many problems came into the church because there was a self-centeredness in their lives. Church, the relationship, remember the church isn't referring, when you hear that word, it's not referring to a building or even a meeting place. The church refers to people. We are the church. We are a part of the church. We We collectively in these relationships are the church and the people in the city of Corinth, the believers, they became very self-centered. It wasn't just the church in Corinth, Ananias and Sapphira, right there in the beginning. Ananias and Sapphira saw an opportunity to draw attention to themselves, saw an opportunity to say, hey, look at us, look what we've done. The the, the thing about them is that they didn't have to do that. They, They could have given a tenth, they could have given a fifth of what they gave, and there would have been great joy in the church. They didn't need to give that appearance. They didn't need to live hypocritically. But because they were only caring about themselves... Anything. I, I look at Ananias and Sapphira, and, and even though they kept, kept part back, they could have given 99% of their possessions, 
And with their heart, that 1% would have brought the same kind of judgment in their lives. It was a heart issue. It was a personal heart issue. The church in Corinth had everything. Now, I ask you to open to chapter 12. Turn back a few pages to chapter 1 by way of review here in 1 Corinthians. Everything in this letter starts out so positive, the church in Corinth. It's so positive. It's so wonderful. You, you read the beginning of the letter to the Corinthians and you're like, this is, sounds like a church I want to be a part of. I want to be involved in this. Notice verse 4 of chapter 1. It says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. That you are enriched in everything. The idea behind that is they were overwhelmingly blessed. Rich in everything. By him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gifts. I have three words circled in this section here. I have the words all, all, and no. This was a very spiritually rich church. They were eagerly, verse 7, waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We stop at that section there and we would conclude very easily that things are going really good in the church in Corinth. It's excellent. It's wonderful. Look at this. Look how blessed they are. Look how they have everything. This is the kind of church I want to be a part of. And then verse 10 changes right away. Now I beg you guys. And he jumps right in and says, hey, there are a lot. You guys are given everything and you haven't been faithful with it. The people of Corinth were forever changed by the grace of God. They were given new lives. They were enriched in Jesus Christ. They were changed in him. They were extremely wealthy spiritually. They had everything that they needed, all knowledge, all utterance. But even as they were greatly blessed, it was also a place of great danger for them. As the giftings that God gave them were misused and abused. And really, sometimes they were tossed to the side. When you see spiritual giftings throughout the congregation, you, you see someone that's been blessed spiritually exercising their gift. The flow of the Spirit in a person's life, the flow of the Holy Spirit in a man, in a woman, in a family, is not necessarily, grasp this, it's not necessarily an indication of a depth of spiritual maturity in their lives. God can and God does use spiritually immature people. You'll see spiritual gifts go through someone that in their lives, they're not all that mature, but God is using them. God wants to use them. Sometimes when a person demonstrates the gift of knowledge or a word of wisdom or speaks forth a word of prophecy, our tendency is to think, wow, that's awesome. I, I want that. But then the next step is, wow, that, that must be a real spiritual person. Their devotional life must be out of the, off the charts. They, they must have spent, you know, hours in the morning seeking the Lord. Because look, look how God's using them. They have that word of wisdom. They have that word of knowledge. And while they could be spending more time seeking the Lord, not necessarily. It's not always an indication of spiritual maturity. The gifts of God are given to his church, not due to our high level of spiritual maturity or our our high or depth of spirituality, the gifts of God are given by grace. 
They're grace-given. And you want to be careful. You don't want to, well, I'll work it up, Ed. I'll work it up. I'll work it up. No, God has gifted you. And we don't need to work it up. We simply need to abide in the Lord. And this church has been given everything. You know, what happens is when you work it up and you work it up and you work it up and the service is all designed to, let's come on, let's get the spirit moving. And, and there, there is that tendency to, to give attention to the gifts. Here's the problem. Attention was never meant to be given to the gifts, but to the giver of the gifts. So when attention is taken away from the giver and the focus is on the person exercising or the church exercising or the movement of churches exercising or a denomination that's known by the gifts, we shouldn't be known by the gifts. We should be known by our relationship to the giver of gifts. And the church in Corinth had gotten off, and it's easy for us to get off as well. They forgot these important principles. There were problems in the church in Corinth, not just church issues. They were deeper than that. They were family things that to be worked out. They were things that Paul began to write and say, this is how your life should look. This is what the church should look like. This is how it works in the church. This is how the spirit moves in your family. These are how the gifts are to be operating. This is human, we'll find, as we look at chapter 12, 13, and 14 here in our studies in 1 Corinthians. You will see the positive and the negative, and we'll see correction. Here we are representing the Lord in our lives. Jesus calls his church, you and I, to represent him. We're ambassadors, the Bible describes us of. He describes us as the salt and the light of the earth. Jesus says, this is who you are. And as we live as his salt and his light, that's the reason why you've been given gifts. Because you can't do it on your own. We're not going to be able to go through our study in Romans chapter 12 looking at the motivational gifts or looking here at the manifestations of the Spirit, or in Ephesians chapter 4, looking at the offices, the places, the ministries where the giftings are used, some of the giftings are used, and say, well, this is what I want, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to buy a book on it, I'm going to study up on it, and I want that gift, so I'm going to take that gift. The Bible says, you'll notice, the Spirit is the one giving. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. In verse 11, notice, it's one and the same spirit. Back in chapter 12 now. It's one and the same spirit works all these things. Get this. Distributing to each one individually as he will. So there's one Holy Spirit, one giver, one body, one spirit that keeps us glued together. And verse 7 begins, and we're going to look at them individually Verse 7 begins a listing of the manifestations of the Spirit. We have spent four previous weeks introducing this section. So if you weren't here for the four previous studies in 1 Corinthians 12, get them off the web, go grab the CDs and catch up with us because we've had four introductory studies preparing us to look at these gifts. We're not just jumping in on our study tonight. If you're new to Calvary, we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians, and this is where we're at, and we've been spending some time in chapter 12, so we have the big picture. On top of that, some of you may not realize, may not understand, may not know what your motivational spiritual gift is. 
And I want to encourage you to grab the studies from Romans chapter 12, listen to those studies, take notes, because we looked at the gifts, we looked at what the gift looks like in a person's life, we saw it operate in the church, we looked at it operating in the life of Jesus, we looked at the positive parts of the gift and the dangers of what a person uh, has to look out for with those spiritual gifts. And you don't need to take a spiritual gift test. You don't need to take a big survey of just listen to the Holy Spirit. And as you're going through, I was talking to someone and they were listening to them and they haven't listened to them all, but they already found their gift. They already know. They don't need to listen to them all. They're going to, so they get a, a good picture of what the gifts are, but they come up to the gift and go, that's me. It, it was a sister that desires to be in counseling. As I'm talking to her and encouraging her, I just got, I got a sense. I said, I know you have the gift of mercy. Oh, I was listening to the studies and that's the gift that I think I have. And I, well, my spirit bears witness with your spirit. I can hear it. I see it. I can, as you're describing yourself to me, as you're describing your desires, as you're describing what you want to do with your life, it's very, very clear that you have the gifting of mercy. You need to know your spiritual gifts, church. You need to know. You can't go around trying to Try this and jump over here. You need to know where God has designed you because you want to be in a... Has anyone ever had a job they didn't like? Anyone? Yeah, you got out of there real quick. Now, don't say, well, I'm in there right now. Okay, that doesn't count. Just be happy you have a job, all right? The Lord's going to take care of it. But, but for some of you, you have the job that you really love, and it's not really a job. You just... That's what I do. I enjoy it. And you might describe your job to someone else, and they're like, I could never do that because they're not gifted like you. One of the brothers right before service was talking about how he's out painting a rooftop that's 100 degrees, you know, on the roof. And I'm like, I don't think I could do that, man. I mean, I guess I could, but I wouldn't like it. He wasn't liking it either. But you have that gifting that when you have that gifting, even though it might be a little tough, it's going to be exactly the way you were designed. Nothing is more difficult to endure, especially spiritually in the church. Nothing's more difficult to endure than being in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Even with genuine motives. I'm not even talking about sin. That's a whole different issue, being in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. That, that, you, the way of the transgressor is hard. So you want to go mess around in the world, then the world's going to kick your tail and you're never going to be satisfied. That's a whole different issue. What I'm speaking of is that gifting. You are, I've seen people because... There is an attraction sometimes. Well, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a pastor. If you're not gifted to be a teacher and you're not gifted to be a pastor, you're going to be miserable. You're not going to like it. It's just not going to be for you. And God is going to show you that. Instead, you know, if you have a gift of mercy, it may be more along the lines where you're just going to love sitting down and helping people work through their issues. You're just so compassionate, so caring. And that's why you're, be, you're, because you're just gifted that way. You love doing it. You just want your whole day scheduled that way. You know, I want, I want to talk to 10. And the other of you, after the first person, you're so drained. He's like, I can't do this. I can't. You're probably not gifted in that area. You might be administratively gifted, where you can run all the numbers and do all the math and you get everything in order. As soon as you see something out of order, your first response is, get that in order, get that in order. Nobody else saw it but you. And you love it. So sitting down talking to someone, 10 times a day just isn't attractive to you. And that's okay. 
because that's your gifting. So you need to know your spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, all those studies are up on the web. And I encourage you, if you haven't done so already, listen to those studies. Here, these are not spiritual gifts. These are the manifestations of the Spirit. We've explained that in depth in previous studies. The word manifestation, when you see it there in verse 7, you can circle it, maybe write a little arrow and write next to it, to make visible. The manifestations of the Spirit mean, this is the Spirit of God being made visible in a person's life. They are, these manifestations are helps that come alongside your spiritual gifting in order for you to serve in a particular area. They could be referred to as spiritual power tools, if that helps you to remember. To have different tools for different things. You use a screwdriver for screws, not a hammer. You have a specific tool for a specific purpose. And if you try to use that tool for which it wasn't designed, it's probably not going to work that way. It's not going to work too well. So these manifestations, they come alongside of your spiritual giftings. And any one of these nine can be given to you for a specific season, a specific time, a specific reason. For example, let's use that gifting of mercy. Those with the gift of mercy love to show and extend mercy to others with a deep compassion that a person, as they're going through unhappy and difficult times, a person with the gift of mercy naturally has compassion. They don't try to fix the person. That's more like an administrative type of person. So, well, if you just did five, six, and seven, you would have no problem. That, you're probably administrative, and you want to be more merciful. Because the merciful person immediately has compassion. The danger, of course, with the merciful, the person that's gifting with mercy, is they can become so merciful that they never really deal with the heart of the issue. So there's always a pendulum that you have to be careful and find the balance. Those with the gift of mercy serve those that are in deep difficulties and they're able almost immediately to connect with them with empathy and compassion. Those of you that have the gift of mercy, you're used by God to connect, to edify, and to build others up. And often what moves you in the body are not situations, they're people. People move. Human need tends to stir you up really quickly. As you're going through and you're listening to the bulletin, the, the announcements that are made really touch you when it refers to someone needs help. We need help with someone. We have this situation in a person's life. Are you interested? Boom, you're right there. You're the first one in line because you have the gift of mercy. Those dangers that we've looked at with this gifting, a person that's gifted with mercy has to be careful because they're also the danger on the... To, to the extreme is that they're overly sensitive type of people. You might refer to people with the gift of mercy as emotional. They're really in tune with their emotions and being in tune with their emotions, they might wear their emotions on their sleeve where they weren't crying before they start talking to that person, but as they're talking to that person, that guy, they, they start crying and then now the person counseling starts crying. It's just a weep fest because it's, there's that connection that's a gifting that God. So you have to be careful not to be overly sensitive. People with the gift of mercy have to guard against only living by their feelings. Because their feelings can betray them. People with the gift of mercy have to be careful not to become overly emotional. 
And so we looked at that in depth. So how does the Holy Spirit, how does the manifestation of the Spirit help a person that's gifted with mercy? How would one of these manifestations be able to help? Maybe he sends you a word of wisdom in someone's life. As we'll look at a word of wisdom or or a word of knowledge. To help you understand now how to show mercy in a particular situation. It's not one size fits all. That as you're dealing with a person, you, this is the third person that you've dealt with in this area. Same, same area. The first two were so similar, it was amazing that God sent them to you so quickly. Now the third one is exhibiting the same kind of signs of the first two, and you're sort of feeling a little confident. I know how to handle this. I just gave this counsel two times already. And the Holy Spirit says, no, this is what's going on. And then you're like, you're nervous. And you're like, I don't know if I want. And the Holy Spirit says, ask them about this part of their lives. And in your mind, this all happened so quick. And in your mind, you're like, ah, oh, that's too personal. That's too, what if it's, but the spirit is working in your life. And you have, ask him, so where were you last night? And the whole thing changes. Because you didn't have any idea where they were last night. It didn't matter to you. You were about ready to cry with them. But the spirit said, ask them. And once you ask them where they were last night, everything changed. And now your gift of mercy can be used in such a way to deal with the heart of the issue because the manifestation of the Spirit, that word of knowledge, that wisdom that God gave you for the moment was used in a way with your primary gifting to get right to the matter. And God showed you how to show mercy, how to interpret a particular situation. The manifestation comes to you as a help in your gifting. As it comes alongside of you. It's so incredible. This is an incredible. The next few weeks are going to be unbelievable. As the Lord begins to open up. How he operates in your life. How he uses you. How he wants to use you. It's not just. Okay guys. God wants to use you. This section of scripture. He's going to show you how. Well, we're just getting started learning about these manifestations of the Spirit here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And Pastor Ed, the first is the word of wisdom. Can you think of an example in your life or the church where the Lord showed up with a word of wisdom? Well, you know, Larry, the word of wisdom comes so often that we often attribute it just to our memory. We attribute it to our Bible knowledge or a book that we read. And we don't necessarily see right away that it's God bringing us the needed information to make a decision between right and wrong. You know, wisdom is the accurate use of knowledge, but in even a deeper way, it is God's accurate use of knowledge. And I can think over and over again where God has given me or given the leaders of our church or even given the body of our church a word of wisdom that has helped someone step forward in making a right decision that honors God. Remember this, for the believer, James taught us that if we lack wisdom and we want to know what God's will is, all we need to do is ask him and he always hears and answers that prayer. How exciting it is to operate in the spiritual presence and his manifestation of wisdom in our lives. It's so cool. It really is. 
And so, friend, if you're lacking wisdom today, ask God for it. Don't forget, you can access these messages online at calvaryco.church. This comes in handy if you should join us late or miss a study in the series. More and more people these days are accessing our teachings through our app. Not only is it super convenient, but it's easy, too. You can download that right now. Search for Calvary Aurora and start listening to Pastor Ed through your mobile devices. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is Holy Sexuality and the Gospel by Christopher Yuan. Christopher was an agnostic gay man before God got a hold of his life, but now he puts his identity in Jesus alone and in this book shares a gospel-centered discussion of sex, desire, and relationships. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And your gift, whatever the size, would not only be greatly appreciated, but put to good use. You'll be helping people all across the country learn about and grow by God's abounding grace. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. We'll return to 1 Corinthians next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.